This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me. As always, NFL Free Agency has been going on for about a week or so now, and every single day there has been more blockbuster moves day after day that have had major ramifications throughout the NFL, throughout fantasy, throughout dynasty, throughout the NFL draft. And here at Saturday, Sunday, I'm going to break down the ramifications from everything that has happened so far in NFL free agency in terms of how it impacts Stock up, stock down based on these te- these players' new landing spots, what it could mean for guys who are left behind, you know, what it could mean for in terms of the NFL draft as we look ahead, but the ramifications of from the free agency frenzy that has been going on over the last week. Let's get right into it. So much to break down. I'm going to start the quarterback position because I can't remember a offseason that has had more major quarterback dominoes falling than we've had this past last week or so, uh, let alone, you know, an entire off season. So let's start with the one guy who staying put and that's Aaron Rodgers re-ups in Green Bay for a four-year deal. Obviously at the time of his signing, we expected Devontae Adams to be there. I'll talk more about that down the line of this episode. But Aaron Rodgers returns, uh, I think it kind of helps solidify him probably in that low QB1 range. I think he's probably more of a, you know, QB8 to QB12 range, give or take. You know, he doesn't have the running component. Now he's going to be playing without Devontae Adams. I still think he's a guy who will put up a great touchdown-interception ratio. But I do think the loss of Devontae Adams will hurt. I'm sure they have a plan which we haven't seen yet in terms of how to make up for the loss of production in some capacity for Devontae Adams. So I do think Aaron Rodgers is definitely a little bit of a stock down when you consider losing Devontae Adams another year older, but he does get to stay in the system that he's basically dominated one MVPs over the last couple of years. So that's a good thing. But at the same time, he does lose his elite, elite, playmaking wide receiver that he had great chemistry with. So that's going to be interesting to kind of see that dynamic. Next up was Russell Wilson being traded to Denver. I mean, right after we think that Denver strikes out on getting themselves a big time quarterback because they were all in on Aaron Rodgers, they they swing a deal for Russ Wilson. Russ Wilson is willing to waive his no trade clause to go there. I think this is stock up on Russ Wilson for a couple of reasons. Now, yes, you can make the case the playmakers he's leaving behind in, you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are just as good, if not better, than Cortland Sutton, Jared Judy, what he's going to have. You know, Metcalf and Lockett are better than those two guys right now. But I think Denver as a whole, with Javante Williams, with those, with Judy, with Sutton, with KJ Hamler, who I think could see a big jump up this year, Albert Okuwebenam, I like. I think the weapons are going to be more than sufficient for Russ Wilson. And I think the big thing is getting into a new offensive game plan, one that focuses on the quarterback, 
one that builds around the quarterback, and one that's going to let Russ Wilson cook all the time. So I think stock up on Russ Wilson. I expect him to, similar to Aaron Rodgers, probably be in that QB 8 to QB 10, QB 12 range on the year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he even has a a QB 5, QB 6, if they really unleash the reins, uh, maybe runs a little bit more. But even if not, I just think the he's so efficient that the there's going to be more pass attempts for sure, more opportunities, and I expect Russ Wilson to have a fantastic year there in Denver. The next major domino before we talk about some of the smaller moves was the Deshaun Watson fiasco. And, and that's really what it turned into. I mean, it turned into like he was a free agent. And I shared my thoughts on Twitter about, I think Houston did this all wrong. I, they gave Deshaun Watson and his team so much leverage. I know he had a no trade clause, but but let's be honest. Deshaun Watson wasn't sitting out another year. He wasn't going to go back and play for the Texans. So he really couldn't dictate down to the last team who he wanted to. If I was Houston, I would have I would have had Deshaun Watson give me a list of teams that he was comfortable being traded with. After that, there shouldn't have been another communication with Deshaun Watson. He shouldn't have been allowed to he shouldn't have been allowed to to go visit places or them come visit him. He shouldn't have been allowed to negotiate a new contract. All this stuff shouldn't have happened. It should have been what's your list of teams you're willing to trade. Uh, except the trade to, and then it should have been, they should have been taking the best offers from any of the teams that were on his list that he was comfortable being traded with. They should have, they should have been volleying those offers back and forth between the teams. They should have taken the best offer and been done with it. This, this thing of basically it was treated like it was a free agency circuit because people seem to think that he had all the leverage. I get that he had to wave his no trade clause, but like I said, what was the alternative for Deshaun Watson? He couldn't just give them one team to work with. Like that wouldn't have flew. Like it, it just wouldn't have. Like he wasn't going to sit out. They could have called his bluff. He wasn't going to sit out. He wasn't going to play for them. I think they gave him too much leverage. So, but would and I just don't think the compensation um, take the off the field stuff out of it because Deshaun Watson, the person, it's hard to really make sense of. I understand there's not going to be any criminal charges, but that's a lot of there's a lot of stuff there that usually where there's that much. Um, you know, that much smoke is usually tends to be a fire. So I don't want to even get there because, you know, whether there should have been, you know, just because there wasn't enough to indict charges doesn't mean that he was innocent of all those charges, but take that out of it for a second and just football sense. Teams were obviously lining up to get Deshaun Watson on their team. You know, we know four teams that were desperately trying to get him from the Saints, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Browns. Those four desperately wanted him. I'm surprised at the compensation only being three first-round picks, and then I think it was like a third, and and then there was like a four or five swap or something. Because when you really put it into perspective, and I think it was Matt Miller put it out there on Twitter, the 49ers gave up three firsts and a third-round pick to get Trey Lance. The Broncos gave up two firsts, two second, and Noah Fant, to basically as the main pieces to get Russell Wilson. So what Cleveland gave up for Deshaun Watson was theoretically less than what Denver gave up, in my opinion, to get Russell Wilson, less than what San Francisco gave up to go move up last year and get Trey Lance. And it's very rare that on the field, a player of Deshaun Watson's caliber is available 
at the age he's available that I honestly thought we were going to see something like four first round picks or three first round picks and some premier players. Like when I thought he was going to go to Atlanta, I thought it was going to be three first round picks and either, you know, Grady Jarrett or Terrell or Kyle Pitts. And then another good player. I'm surprised. uh, It wasn't more assets going back to Houston in that trade that caught me off guard a little bit in terms of his stock in terms of fantasy for Deshaun Watson. I think it's about a stock neutral or even a slight stock down to be honest with you. And Cleveland has a great running game and it's going to still be a major foundation of their offense. So I just think the amount of shootouts, the amount of, you know, major, you know, 45, 50 pass attempt games that we've seen Deshaun Watson have at times in Houston, I don't think we're going to see that. So I think Watson could maintain his status of being an elite QB1. And I still think he, right now, I would probably put him in mid QB1 range. But I think for him to really vie to be like the guy up there with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, I think he's going to have to become super efficient like super efficient and see how much he's still running this year. So we'll see. So I'd say about stock neutral or slight stock down from Deshaun Watson, the football player in terms of going to Cleveland. We'll see, you know, they made a big trade. I'll talk about down the line too. this episode about Amari Cooper. So they got him some weapons there as well. They still got to surround him with more weapons. I expect them to do that. I expect that second round pick probably to be penciled in. There'll be some really good wide receivers left. I'd be surprised if Cleveland did not invest that second round pick in another wide receiver asset to build up that room with Amari Cooper. They brought back David Njoku. Great running game from there. Other quarterback moves, Drew Locke went back to Seattle in that Russell Wilson trade. I think he's nothing more than a stopgap. I think Seattle's going to try to make a trade for Baker Mayfield. Uh, We'll see. If Drew Locke starts, I, I think we know who he is at this point. He's a low... He's a low QB two and two quarterback league type things at best. Um, I think I don't think there's untapped upside there that we haven't seen yet. Uh, he's more of like a gunslinger mentality. I'm not really sure he even fits what Seattle wants to do in terms of a guy who protects the football and stuff like that. So I don't really see him as a fit there. I think Baker would be a much better fit there in Seattle than Drew Locke. Uh, Mitch Trubisky signed with Pittsburgh. He's going to get an opportunity to be their starter this year. I think it's a good landing spot for Trubisky because. You know, they have a great run game in Najee Harris. They got a good defense. They got a good O-line. They still got uh, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, uh, Pat Fryermuth. So there's a lot of weapons there. So I kind of like Mitch Trubisky. I think he could have some sneaky value as a QB2 um, in fantasy circles this year. Uh, And I think it could be a good opportunity for him to kind of see if he can turn his career around he steps in there, I think, is the clear starter. If he would have went to a team like the Giants, it would have been a competition with Daniel Jones. So I think he made a good career choice going to Pittsburgh. They have a better supporting cast right now. Uh, so I'm intrigued by him. If you need a quarterback in a two-quarterback league, uh, I think you could do worse than trying to get Trubisky on the cheap because uh, I think he could be a functional guy in this year. Washington trade for Carson Wentz. I don't get it. I don't get what they're doing. They still need a franchise quarterback a conditional third that's probably going to become a second unless Carson Wentz gets hurt. Teams just continue to trade pretty good assets for Carson Wentz, and every year blows me, blows my mind, to be honest with you, because when you really stop and think about it, Carson Wentz has had 
like 11 weeks of being a great football player before he got hurt that year. And, and then he had another stretch where maybe he was good. Besides that, he's been average or, or, or below. He wasn't a good football player last year. He, his last year in Philadelphia, not very good. So I think people are really basing him on that one year that he was on his way to winning the MVP. And I get it. It was a great year. But maybe it was more about the team. I mean, Nick Foles did step in, and we know what kind of quarterback Nick Foles is. And Philadelphia didn't miss a beat, and they went on and won the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I know Carson Wentz was having a great year, but maybe that was just the perfect storm of play calling, scheme, everything blending together that year for Philadelphia because Nick Foles took the took the you know baton from Carson Wentz after the injury and, and went all the way to the Super Bowl. So maybe Carson Wentz was never as good as what that year taught us thought us to believe. And I think he's been living off of that ever since. And that's what continues to get people interested in him. And that's, that's just talking football. There's been so many rumblings that he, that every locker room he's in, the people don't like him. So, I mean, once you could believe maybe it's not true, but I mean, now we're talking Philadelphia. There was rumblings of that. Now Indianapolis, there was rumblings of that. And this was supposed to be Frank Reich's guy. And they still got rid of him after a year. And they gave up a first-round pick to get him. So, we'll see. Uh, Tyra Taylor went to the Giants. He's going to be their backup quarterback. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater went to Miami. He's going to be the backup. I think the last couple dominoes left to fall are where does Baker Mayfield go? And where does Jimmy Garoppolo go if he gets traded? I think those are the two dominoes that could have a little bit of effect in terms of fantasy football. I think one of them is going to end up in Indianapolis. Maybe the other one ends up in Seattle. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, well, sorry. Yeah, where Baker Mayfield goes, where Mariano goes, and where Garoppolo goes. So three three spots left. It'll be interesting to kind of see. Uh, I think there's a real chance Baker Mayfield ends up in Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, Seattle, or Indianapolis. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a spot for Jimmy Garoppolo when, when the dust settles. If the Colts get Baker Mayfield, I don't think San Francisco is going to look to trade Seattle Jimmy Garoppolo in their own division, so that's probably out. So we'll, it'll be interesting. And does Mariota get a chance to go somewhere to compete, or is he going to have to settle for another clear backup job? I think that's to be determined as well. If we pivot over to the running backs, not a lot of big news yet. Uh, actually, one last note on the quarterback thing. I think what I think what this does do is draft ramifications to this is – Originally, we thought Washington could very much be in play in the first round. I don't think they're going to go first-round quarterback. I don't think they traded for Carson Wentz, and then they're going to take a quarterback at 11. I'd be surprised. If there was somebody there in the second round, would they consider it? Maybe. But I think they're going to give Carson Wentz a year here and, and see what he does. So I think they might have not been high in this quarterback class, and that's why they went the veteran route. But I think now 11 is not a realistic spot for one of the rookie quarterbacks to go. Uh that takes them out of the mix. If Indy trades for somebody, you know, they didn't even have their first round pick, but maybe they were thinking quarterback in round two. If they trade for a Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo, they're probably out of the mix in terms of that. Uh, Seattle's still a wild card. Uh, if they don't trade for a guy like Baker Mayfield, could they, you know, in the top 10 potentially fall in love with someone? They could. I, I wouldn't put it past them. I'm just not sure if Pete Carroll at his age you know, looks at a guy like Malik Willis and, and thinks like, that's what I want to deal with a rebuilding team right now with a young quarterback who needs time to develop. So I, I'm not sure what to make of Seattle. Uh, I don't think Pittsburgh, I don't think the, the 
two-year, $14 million deal that Mitch Trubisky really impacts them if they want to go for quarterback in round one. I'm just not sure if that's the plan. Could it be? Yeah, they could still be Malik Willis, and they realize maybe Willis is their guy, and they just realize that he wasn't going to be ready, and, and Trubisky kind of gave them that opportunity. And if Trubisky was great this year, maybe he gets two years there before Willis is ready. I think that's a to-be-determined uh so I think Pittsburgh could still go quarterback. Uh, Washington's definitely off the board, not going quarterback. Um, and Seattle, I think, could be. But I think if they go get a guy like Baker Mayfield, that would obviously put them out of the quarterback mix as well. It's hard to kind of start seeing homes for these quarterbacks going in round one. I mean, I'm sure we'll have one, two. But I, I think once upon a time we've done maybe three or four, I'm not sure we get there. I, I really don't think we're going to get there the way things are kind of unfolding right now uh, in terms of teams getting their guys uh, and then other teams maybe at the top of the draft decide not to go. So there's always a possibility they go, they jump back in late round one, but we'll see. Now if we pivot to the running backs, uh, not a lot of big news. The biggest news is the Dolphins went out and got a pair of running backs, Chase Edmonds, and Raheem Mostert, I think that's going to be a nice one to do. They also have Miles Gaskin there. Obviously, uh, McDaniel's coming from San Francisco. He's probably going to use a variety of running backs in different roles and, and stuff, kind of like San Francisco had done over the years. Um, I think it kind of hurts Chase Edmonds' value. I think it hurts most uh, Raheem Mostert's value, and I think it really hurts Miles Gaskin. So I think all of those guys, Edmonds, Mostert, Gaskins, all stock down when you're talking about redraft dynasty leagues. Until we kind of see how this plays itself out, I think they're all going to kind of impact each other's value. They'll all have weeks here or there that maybe, you know, it's a week that Edmonds catches, you know, five passes and he's a good fantasy player. And another week, Mozart breaks a big time, you know, run it and takes it to the house and puts up a good fantasy week. But I think they're going to be very hard to start those guys. I think they're more. Are low R- I think they're more like RB3 flex types. I don't think any of them are in the RB2 mix uh, because of how many of them now are there. I think one of the biggest winners based on his contract and then the lack of other options in Arizona now is James Conner. You know, James Conner, you know, last year had a fantastic year. Going to be impossible to repeat that in terms of the touchdowns again. But now with Chase, Admin- Chase Edmonds out of the mix, they'll probably bring in somebody to compliment him. And there's plenty of guys like that in the draft that they can look to replace Chase Edmonds, but they gave him a nice contract. I think it's clear he's going to be the lead guy, whether that means 60% of the work, 65%. He's going to be the goal line work. I think James Conner is firmly now in the RB2 mix for next year. Uh, He could be an interesting dynasty buy if you're just looking for a one, two-year type veteran RB2 type. Conner could be that guy uh, in Arizona. J.D. McKissick at once signed with Buffalo, but then changed his mind, went back to Washington. He'll continue to be a PPR asset, and most noteworthy, he'll probably continue to be uh, a nuisance to Antonio Gibson owners, as Antonio Gibson still is not going to probably get used in the passing game nearly enough as much as he should be, considering he has a background as a receiver at Memphis. Uh, McKissick will probably continue to be the guy who's – the guy who's mostly used on passing downs uh, and that will impact the overall workload and upside of Antonio Gibson. Uh, So that's a little bit frustrating for Gibson owners. Uh, Cordell Patterson uh, yesterday re-signed up with the Atlanta Falcons. Great deal. Two year, 10 million. The fact that Cordell Patterson's getting paid 
five less million dollars a year than Russell Gage, less per year than Braxton Barrios. Just tells you how broken the system is when it comes to running backs that wide receiver three, four types are getting paid more money than impact running backs uh, like Cordell Patterson or even really firmly entrenched starters like James Conner and stuff like that. Uh, you know, the, the system is definitely devaluing the running backs in terms of the pay scale. Uh, Rashad Penny re-upped in Seattle for a one-year deal. He'll have every chance to kind of build on that momentum that he had at the end of the season last year. Uh, names that we're still waiting to kind of see where they end up. Leonard Fournette, I'd expect him to back, end up back in Tampa Bay. If so, I think he's right in the mix as an RB2. Uh, we'll see where Sony Michelle ends up. Melvin Gordon, a couple solid, serviceable uh, veteran running backs who could definitely be, you know, in committees and, and give some RB3 type appeal in the right situation. If we take this to the wide receivers, obviously the biggest one, a uh, couple days ago, breaking news late in the evening, Devonte Adams, Green Bay trades him to the Las Vegas Raiders. He gets reunited with his college quarterback, Derek Carr, and Devonte Adams is now a member of the Vegas Raiders. I think it's it's impossible not to say stock down for Devontae Adams. If he would have been on Green Bay, he would have started this year as the clear wide receiver one in redraft leagues, still a top five type, top six, top seven, wherever you want to put him, asset in wide receiver rankings and overall in, in dynasty uh, at the wide receiver position. And listen, he's got great chemistry with Carr. He's going to be feeded. They're not paying him that boatload of money not to see a boatload of targets. So I think he'll be fine. He'll still be a wide receiver one for sure, but you're going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. It is, it is, is what it is. You're going to lose, you know, some efficiency. You're going to lose some production. There's no way you're going to be as efficient, as productive in that Vegas offense as you would have been in the Green Bay offense with Aaron Rodgers. So it's just naturally stocked down. I also think it's a very intriguing time to maybe see if you can get a good trade offer for Devontae Adams because I think there's still enough buzz about him. And people, you know, some people might really be like, oh, Josh McDaniels, his college quarterback, he's not going to take too much of a step back. I think now might be the time if you can get a really good offer for Devontae Adams to move him in Dynasty right now. Uh, because I do think it's a little bit of a stock down. I just don't think we're going to see the touchdown production uh, on that own team. Now I think it's got it. You got to say stock down for Hunter Renfro. He's just going to see less targets now. I still think, you know, I think he was firmly in that like wide receiver three in PPR. I think now he's probably falls back down a little bit more to more like a wide receiver four or five type in PPR. And I also think Darren Waller now takes a little bit of a step back and might just not see that overall volume that he's still a top five tight end, but I think a little bit of stock down just because, you know, you go from being the lead guy there to now one of the best wide receivers, if not the best wide receiver in football now being on your roster. So ramifications across the board there for Devonte Adams. Uh, next up a couple of trades, Amari Cooper was traded to Cleveland for a fifth round pick. Uh, there And I'll say at the same time, Robert Woods was traded to Tennessee for a six-round pick. There is no better value in the NFL right now than trading for veterans, day three picks for veterans that teams want to get rid of, whether it's, you know, they, they just want to get out of their contract or whatever, whatever the case may be. But there's no better value than trading day three picks for veterans. I mean, 
it, it's just remarkable. You know, Tampa Bay traded a fifth round pick for Shaq Mason. You know, the boosts are up their offensive line. The Browns fifth round pick for Coop, uh, for Amari Cooper. Uh, Tennessee needed a wide receiver. Sixth round pick for Robert Woods. You know, it, it's just one thing after the other in terms of really, really good values. Uh, you know, in terms of you know that you can get. So let's let's go through a couple of these things. Uh, Amari Cooper. I'm gonna say with the with the trade of Deshaun Watson now. I'm gonna say stock up for Amari Cooper. I think he saw you know last year CD Lamb kind of dip into his wide receiver one or high wide receiver two status in Dallas last year, and now I think it's a slight quarterback upgrade. I think Deshaun Watson's a little bit better than Dak Prescott, but now I just think there's less mouths to feed, and I think he's going to see probably just as many, if not more targets that he was going to see in Dallas. So I think it's, whether you want to say stock same or slight stock up for Amari Cooper. Uh, I think you sort of writing on the wall that CD lamb was building momentum to be the clear guy there. But now Amari Cooper lends himself in a situation where he doesn't have to worry about that. He will be the clear guy, even if they draft the guy in the second round. And I think they will. I don't think it'll impact uh, just how productive Amari Cooper is this year with Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson was to face a long suspension, that would obviously impact Amari Cooper significantly as well. In terms of Robert Woods in Tennessee, I think, listen, if he's back fully healthy, I think he's one of the more underappreciated wide receivers in football. He really, you know, listen, last year they they, they tried with Julio. It didn't work out. But I'm, I, I applaud them for not being gun-shy about going the veteran route again. And this time they didn't even have to pay the price they paid for Julio. They get Robert Woods for a six-round pick. It was basically a salary dump. And if he's healthy, him and A.J. Brown now create a dynamic one-two duo, guys who are very good with the ball in their hands, different body types. A.J. Brown, that more physical, tough guy. Robert Woods, more fluid and, and smooth, smaller guy. But you can do a lot of different things with him. Great, precise route runner. Uh, those two guys really you know, complement each other well and complement Ryan Tannehill because Ryan Tannehill is not a great vertical passer. And it's not really the strength of his game. I mean, he can hit a good play action from time to time. But I think A.J. Brown and uh, Robert Woods kind of fit the type of quarterback Ryan Tannehill is. And I think you add that to Derrick Henry, and the Titans are going to be an improved offense. And then they also added an upgraded tight end that I'll get to later as well. So I like the move. I think Robert Woods, uh, I'd probably say slight stock down because obviously to downgrade the quarterback, they're not. They're not as much of a run. Uh, they're more of a run first team than pass first team. Uh, so I'll say stock down for Robert Woods. But I do think if he would have went back to L.A., he was starting to be phased out a little bit last year. If they kept him after they signed Allen Robinson, who I'll get to momentarily, he would have really been, I think, third on the pecking order. Or if they brought back OBJ, we saw how OBJ ended the year when he got back from his injury. Uh, we just saw how much of that offense was funneling through Cooper Cup that now I think Robert Woods, while A.J. Brown will be the clear lead guy, I think he, he'll be cemented in as the guy who clearly has the second most targets on the team from week to week. And some weeks he might even you know out-target A.J. Brown. Uh, so in that regards, I think he's still very much a wide receiver, low wide receiver two, high wide receiver three, uh, probably more of a wide receiver three this year though in terms of where he should be drafted and valued right now in terms of uh, 
coming back from an injury, new team. So probably more of a wide receiver three. I think he could definitely have some spiked wide receiver two weeks, but I think he's more of a wide receiver three, probably in that like 28 to 30 range, give or take uh, for, for Robert Woods. Uh, what led to him being traded was Allen Robinson signing with the Rams. I mean, the Rams want to, Rams are all in, right? They're going for it. They're going for it. They're going for it. And Allen Robinson uh, to the Rams, you know, three year, like $45 million deal, uh, the attention that Cooper Cup draws towards him, it's going to be really interesting to see if Allen Robbins can really bounce back this year and show that elite level talent that that we know he has and we've seen at times in his career. Uh, so I think stock big time up for Allen Robinson, the McAvey offense, uh, Matthew Stafford, you know Cooper Cup opening things up for him. The, everything about this is stock up for Allen Robinson. Uh, Mike Williams resigns in the Chargers. I think that stays. I think the biggest dynasty impact of that is Josh Palmer stock down. Right? We, I know me, Jeff, others were big fans of, of Josh Palmer, and I still am. But the truth of the matter is, his dynasty value. <coughs> excuse me, his dynasty value was was a little bit baked in with the idea that Mike Williams might have been leaving. And if Mike Williams doesn't have that great year last year, he probably is leaving. So it'll be interesting to kind of see Ken Palmer emerge and be the clear third guy there because there could still be some fancy value. How many more years has Keenan Allen got? Do the Chargers invest in another receiver early in the draft? I think those are all things to be determined. Next up, uh, Michael Gallup re-signs in Dallas for five years. Uh, so they traded Amari Cooper, but they bring back Gallup. I think this is big stock up for Michael Gallup. He's coming off an injury. It was possible he was going to, I thought he was going to get like a one-year prove-it deal in free agency. Instead, he gets a five-year commitment from Dallas. He's locked in as the wide receiver too, unless they invest the first round pick in somebody. And even then, he's still probably going to be locked in as the wide receiver too to start the year. But he stays with a quarterback he has rapport with. He moves up the depth chart to the second wide receiver with the trade of Amari Cooper. Stock up for Michael Gallup, even coming off of the injury. Chris Godwin resigns in Tampa Bay for a three-year deal. I think think that's good for him, especially with the return of Tom Brady. Uh, So I think his status stays cemented for at least another year as a clear wide receiver one-two type. And then we'll rejudge the situation once Tom Brady decides he eventually wants to retire. Uh, Christian Kirk signs a monster deal with Jacksonville. Uh, they clearly look at him as a guy who is peaking. Uh, I think it's still a little bit crazy to pay him that amount of money. I like Christian Kirk. I like him coming out of college. He never really fully pull, put it together with, with the Cardinals. We saw glimpses and pieces of it, you know, in terms of productiveness and breakouts, but never a whole year. So I think Jackson was really banking that he could be a guy that is, is ready to break out and be a 1200 yard receiver and eight touchdowns. I I'm a little bit lukewarm on that, but I think you got to say stock up. They made a big time commitment in him. They're going to want him to be one of the focal points of the offense in Arizona. He was never going to be that with Deshaun, uh, with DeAndre Hopkins there, right? And even this year, we saw a time the ball going AJ Green way too much, you know. So I think it's definitely stock up for Christian Kirk. I think he clearly starts the year as a wide receiver three, and we'll see where it goes from there. DJ Chark 
uh, signs a one-year, like $10 million deal with the Lions. Stock up for DJ Chark because, you know, Jacksonville, whatever whatever it was, that after that really, you know, good second year he had there, it just something seems to have been off in Jacksonville. He gets a fresh start in Detroit. They were dying for other receivers there besides the Monroe St. Brown. You know, Chark is probably the first piece. I would expect him to add another significant piece probably in the draft. And like I said, I like Monroe St. Brown, but the Lions were going to add reinforcements there. So if they draft the guy in the early second round and they bring in and they brought in DJ Chark to pair with Monroe St. Brown, that's three now guys that they're building the wide receiver room around. They still have DeAndre Swift. They still have TJ Hawkinson, great pass catching running back and tight end. So I think I think the move, if it is followed up with a high draft pick, is a little bit stocked down in Monroe St. Brown. Now, if they don't invest a high draft pick, then I think his his stock right now is his going into this offseason is pretty much the same. I don't think just DJ Chark dramatically impacts it. I think it impacts it a little bit because they are going to give him every opportunity to probably be their outside X receiver and see a lot of targets. But we know Jared Goff's game, and we know it. it's more catered to the short to intermediate range and a good route runner, and that suits Amon Ross St. Brown's you know, uh, play style more than DJ Chark. But I do think DJ Chark is going to have a role and a significant role, so we'll see. We'll see. If it's followed up with a big uh, early draft pick, then I think it's more of a stock down on Monroe St. Brown than, than right now. I think this hurts a tiny bit, but not too much yet. We got to see what else the rest of the offseason is in store for them upgrading the, the wide receiver position there. Russell Gage goes to Tampa, gets a nice contract to be their third wide receiver. Listen, we know Brady likes to use a slot receiver a lot, and we know that he'll throw the open guys. So I think it's a stock up for Russell Gage's value. I still think he's more of a wide receiver, four or five, six type. Um, not a lot of value there. Zay Jones goes to Jacksonville, three years, like $30 million. So the the investment makes it stock up. They probably have plans for him to be at least a top three wide receiver there. So I think that in its own right is stock up and see if Trevor Lawrence could could kind of find a connection with him like Christian Kirk. Uh, Juju Smith signed with Kansas City. I think I'm really intrigued by this because Kansas City needed another receiver. Uh, Juju Smith really adds a different type of player. We know Tyreek Hill can do everything, can get deep, can win after the catch. Juju Smith is a guy who, that tough, physical, strong receiver you know, he had a very different style of player there. You know, there were times that it was like Nicole Harmon and Tyree Kill on the field or whatever. And and now Juju adds a very different dynamic to that that wide receiver depth chart. He's clearly third on the pecking order. So I think in terms of his fantasy value, I would say a slight stock down, but that could easily be made up the fact that he's playing in that Kansas City offense and he's playing with Patrick Mahomes. But he is clearly the third option now in the game in the passing game after Tyree Kill, after Travis Kelsey. There's plenty of passing production to go around in Kansas City, but obviously, you know, third in the pecking order. There's other spots he could have went that he could have been considered the number one option for next year, if not the number two. Uh, if he stayed in Pittsburgh, he might have been considered the number two after Deontay Johnson. Him and Chase Claypool, pretty similar uh, in terms of maybe what their you know target share would have looked like. Uh, but I think the Mahomes factor, the offense makes it really intriguing, even if he might not get the amount of targets he has in the past. Uh, James Washington signed in Dallas. He'll probably be their third wide receiver unless they draft somebody. 
guys that we're still waiting on, Will Fuller, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, OBJ, Antonio Brown's trying to get back in the league. So we'll see what some of these other guys do. I don't think anything that happened in free agency is really going to change the perspective of how round one was going to go in terms of maybe teams targeting wide receivers. Uh, I still think Dallas could if if a guy, if someone falls. Uh, I think Tennessee wasn't going to go in round one. I still think they can potentially on day two look for somebody. I don't think Woods would change that. Uh, the Rams don't have a first-round pick. Uh, I think I think it does change the fact that Vegas. So the biggest, I think, draft implications of, the, of free agency and trades has been Devontae Adams because I think Washington was kind of maybe pegged in that 22 pick, I think, uh, maybe go for a wide receiver. I don't, I don't, you know, obviously now they don't have that pick. So they're not, and even in the second round, they're, and they don't have that pick either. So that changes that dynamic. On the flip side, though, is Green Bay is now with that pick. They do need a wide receiver. So I don't think it impacts whether or not a wide receiver comes off the board. It's obviously not Vegas at 22 anymore. It's Green Bay. I'd be very surprised if Green Bay doesn't invest pick 22 in a wide receiver. Uh, there could be plenty of great options there at that point, whether it's Traylonburg, Drake London, Chris Olave could still be there. Jamison Williams. I think the only guy who probably definitively won't be there is Garrett Wilson, but Green Bay could have their pick of the litter there from the other guys uh, based on how the draft plays out. And then last but not least, quick on the tight ends. Uh, Dalton Schultz, franchise tag back in Dallas. I think he's still a low, uh, a low tight end one. Uh, David Njoku franchise tag back in Cleveland, really interesting. But then with the releasing of Gusecki, uh, Gusecki, he's next coming up, the releasing of Austin Hooper, I think it gives David Njoku a chance this year. Now, especially with Deshaun Watson there, we could finally see David Njoku break out. This could finally be the opportunity he needed to be a wide receiver, uh, a wide receiver, a tight end one. I think David Njoku is going to be a sleeper tight end pick in a lot of drafts this year. I think he's going to be in a lot of, he's going to be a lot of people's, tight end that they wait on because he could even easily uh be a tight end one this year in fantasy i wouldn't mind trying to get my hands on david njoku uh in dynasty leagues right now especially with now deshaun watson at the helm mike Gusecki was franchise tag i think he's very much in line to still be a integral part of that miami pass offense not much is there zach Ertz re-signed in arizona once upon a time it looked like he was almost done the trade to Arizona kind of reinvigorated him a little bit. He's probably a low tight end one this year as well. Free agency moves. OJ Howard goes to Buffalo. Really intrigued by this because I think OJ Howard kind of got a raw deal in Tampa Bay. He kind of fell out of favor and, and moved down the depth chart. I think OJ Howard could really be an, an impact there, you know, in Buffalo. Now we'll see. They have Dawson Knox and they have that two tight end look, but. Listen, O.J. Howard has got a lot of intrigue to his game. He's going to, again, have to play in that two tight end set. But I kind of like, I kind of think he could he could surprise people this year. Obviously, he's going to be dirt cheap because Dawson Knox had a really good year last year. But I think O.J. Howard to Buffalo really is interesting. Uh, the Jets go out and get two tight ends. They get C.J. Uzuma and then Tyler Conklin. Uh, I, think, I think they could probably, Uzuma could probably be a tight end two-ish, give or take. I think them getting Conklin two probably hurts his value a little bit. So I think it's more of a mid tight end two, nothing more than that. Mo Ali Cox re-signed in Indianapolis for a three-year deal. I think he could, if he doesn't have anybody else competing with and he's the clear-cut starter, I think he's going to have some real intrigue as a tight end two. Max Williams back in Arizona. Uh, he started out last year well before getting hurt. We'll see. 
Uh, Will Disley resigns in Seattle. I'm not really sure about that. After they got Noah Fant in the deal, they gave him pretty big money. Ricky Seals Jones uh, went to the Giants. He's going to get every opportunity, I think, to be their starter. We'll see where they invest in in the draft in the tight end, but he could have some intrigue as a pass catching tight end. Uh, Evan Ingram left the Giants. Signed with Jacksonville. I think I think he's really going to get an opportunity to finally maybe utilize how he always should have been utilized as strictly a pass catcher. Uh, I think we could be in the line. It's kind of funny. Ingram, OJ Howard, Njoku, that, that tight end class where they all went round one. If you would have told me Njoku would have still been with his team and the other two wouldn't have, I wouldn't have believed it after the first couple of years. But that's the way it is. But I think all three of them could be on the verge of, of having better performances than we've seen from them. I think Njoku might be on the verge of finally fulfilling his potential. I think Evan Ingram could could get back into the tight end one mix in fantasy this year. And I'm intrigued by O.J. Howard there in that Buffalo offense with Josh Allen. Uh, Cincinnati replaced C.J. Uzumo when he left with Hayden Hurst. I think he could be functional and be a, a, a solid tight end too. Austin Hooper went to Tennessee. I think he could be back in the you know mid to high tight end two mix as well. Uh, and then just recently, Gerald Everett signed with the Los Angeles Chargers. So staying in Los Angeles, going from the Rams to the Chargers, uh, I think that could be an upgrade them, give them another pass catching weapon. Uh, really could attack the seam. Got good athleticism ever there. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, obviously we don't know if Donald Parham from that injury and they needed another, they needed young people at that position anyway. Gerald Everett is a good signing for them as well. So there it is, guys. My quick hitting thoughts on all the significant signings, trades in this free agent frenzy. Hopefully, uh, once things settle down, I'm going to do a full update on my positional dynasty rankings, make sure I update all the teams where all these players have switched teams and do a full update of the rankings uh, prior to the NFL draft. So look for that. If you're someone who has the notebooks and has been looking for that, that probably be done in the next week or so as free agency dies down, I will do a full update on my positional dynasty rankings with all these significant trades and signings and movement in the NFL. Uh, Here at Saturday, Sunday, we are now going to turn the page uh, and start with some guest shows uh, where we bring some of the best in the industry here to talk about these. This week, we're going to have a second episode, and it's going to be the great Mark Schofield, who comes on every year to talk quarterbacks. So he's going to kind of kick off these positional shows. Uh, We're going to be talking quarterbacks. Look forward to having a lot of great guests up through the rest of March, and then all of April right up until draft weekend. So if you've been loving the content here, please get over to the website. SS Football is the fastest and quickest way to get to the website. Uh, Check out the premium content tab, and for $9.99, you get access to all our premium notebooks. You get the scouting notebook, 100-player profiles, an offensive draft guide, basically, uh, full detailed scouting reports, how they win, uh, Functional areas, developmental areas, strengths, NFL role, NFL projection, fantasy spin. You get the rankings notebook. It has all our rankings, draft rankings, draft tiers. Uh, it'll have our dynasty rookie rankings. It'll have, it still has last year's dynasty rookie rankings being updated. It has our Devi rankings. It has our dynasty positional overall rankings. And then in April, you get the draft projections notebook. About 400 players in there. Tabs for every position, offense and defense. Uh, a snapshot of how they win, a snapshot of their developmental or concerning areas, and then put in order based on everything I'm hearing, trying to predict 
uh, how it's going to go down on draft weekend. A tab for my projecting the, the first round, the first three rounds, and then every pick in the NFL draft. You get all of it for $9.99. It is the best way to help support the show and continue for us to do what we're doing here. So, on behalf of Matt and Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nicano, and myself, thank you for joining us, and I look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.